Hello and welcome to Inside the Recording Studio. I'm Jody Whitesides and with me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. Hi there, Jody. How's it going? I'm doing well. How about you? Doing just fine and dandy, thanks. Fantastical. Yeah, we having a good week? Music speaking? Musically speaking, sure. Biblically speaking, if you believe in that stuff, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I won't even touch that, but uh, sure. Uh, Cool. Yeah, well, that's, I had a good week actually as well. I turned in the last mixes for a project for this um, artist I've been mixing. So, yay. Party time, uh, party time. I'll be mentioning that when that, when the artist actually releases that, maybe give a little pluggy plug plug on that, but uh, turn up pretty cool. Is he paying us money for that? He paid you. He paid me. So uh, maybe I'll just slink that one in there. (laughs) Slinky, sneaky. no, but it, it's been a pretty good week, um, and uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about sort of like in the last series of this overarching kind of thing that we've done here about mastering. Mastering. Uh, we talked a little bit about the workflow of um, mixing and and uh, the importance of keeping our project in a certain way and color coding and all the kind of stuff that, that both you and I do. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, today we're going into... What would be sort of like the last step before release, right? And that's mastering. Well, last step of the recording process. It's not the last step before release. Well, <laughs> besides the printing and uploading and all that kind of stuff, right? But uh, and don't artwork split hairs. and PR and all kinds of stuff, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. but I'm talking about the, you know what I'm trying to say. You're just I splitting do. hairs. Stop being uh, difficult, Joey. <laughs> it's all about being difficult. Because it, it is. is hard. That's why we do this. It is hard. It's not for the pleasure. It's for that's hard. Just like Kennedy said, right? We choose to do this not because it's easy, but because it's hard. That's right. Yeah. Not for the um, faint of the ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Mm. Um, so what are? I'm just going to dive right in. <clears throat> dive. Um, Head first, go for Preparing it. Preparing to master. What? What? Well, first of all, I guess we should talk about what is mastering to you and what mastering isn't today, because I think there's a little bit of confusion there today where some people think that, oh, I just mastered my track. Well, did you really? Or did you just put like a brick wall limiter on your master fader and crank <laughs> that bad boy? Well, uh, that's, because, that's the nitty gritty of it all, isn't it? Make well, that, that uh, make that loud. Just make, make it, it loud. loud. Why, why does it sound like it's crunchy and doesn't have any dynamics? Yeah, because it's um, loud. Yeah. So no, but what uh, in your mind? What what's the like the, the purpose of mastering and, and uh, what's the end goal of that? Well, over the years, I've always been taught that mastering is that final step that gets something ready for broadcast so something doesn't stick out like a big-ass sore thumb to the masses. That's You're a, talking frequency spectrum and all this kind sure, of stuff. Sure, that's like just a, yeah. the overreaching definition that I've always been taught. The reality yeah. is maybe something slightly different, but along those same lines. Yeah. Um, I tend to think about mastering as, say, the days of the album. 
the I, album. You, yeah. Yes. So let's say that you have a collection of, of 10 tracks or whatever it might be, that there is some sort of cohesion in that sonically. So that, uh, <laughs> Not musically you, speaking, just sonically speaking. <laughs> well, at the very least, sonically speaking. Right. Um, if you have a collection of tracks that are, you know, in a general ballpark of each other, um, you want them to sound like they belong. So you want to have a certain um, cohesiveness when it comes to, to EQ and also to dynamics and levels. So the average level is fairly steady through the album, whether that's a slamming metal track or a ballad, right? They, they sound like they belong to each other uh, or next to each other. So um, I think that's something to keep in mind as well, what mastering can be for, for most mastering engineers. And not yeah. just, I mean, in, in the days now of, of the single, right? The single, um, yes. Yeah, you want to make sure that everything sounds really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> Top notch um, even. Uh, ideally, quality. yes. Right. <laughs> um, but I think it's also easy to um, have the mindset of, of falling down. Oh, the mix is good enough that can be fixed and mastered. Um, That's never well, true. Well, right. It's there rarely to a degree. True. It's true, but but I think again, it was we keep referencing Al Schmidt here. But <laughs> oh, do we? I think yeah, but I think he he said one time, and I think he is the one that that said this. If not, he he might have. But um, during the, the step of tracking and everything, track that there's like there's no mixing, and mix like there's no mastering. So. You know, get the most out of each step that you have, and um, yes, that's a good give, comment. Whether or not Al said it or not, right? So um, something agree. to keep in mind. So it's just always if there are issues, obviously in your mix, and you think, oh, well, that's really, really too boomy in the low end. Well, maybe you want to revisit that mix before you get that headache off to the mastering engineer. <laughs> uh, give him the headache. Uh, Take it out yeah. of your own hands. Right. And, uh, you know, compensate them accordingly. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but that's my view of mastering anyway. It's uh, a good it, view. That, I like it. Yeah. It's I'm going to steal that it. last little sheen on, on the tracks, right? <laughs> Put that little fairy dust on top of your tracks. And that's right. Make them sound really, really good. I want to steal that. Um, so what are some of the the workflows that you would do to give your tracks to a mastering engineer before you go to master, what, what would you do? Workflows. Well, let's just reiterate what it isn't because we just briefly glossed over it. It's not throwing sure. like a, a Waves L1 on the master bus and slamming the bejesus out of it so there's just red in the what, L1. What about an L3? Is that better? An L3? No. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter what limiter you use. It's all the same. Uh that's, that's, I mean, that could be technically a master. Will it go out to mass broadcasts? It probably would get rejected. Who knows? Unless yeah. it made the song really sound amazing, which is highly improbable. Right. Not impossible, well, but highly improbable. Yeah. I say, uh, keep in mind, I guess, that just don't sell your music short. You know, if it could sound much better than just slamming something. I mean, there are albums that have been during these loudness wars uh, they're just completely overcooked 
And I mean, by mean that, <laughs> just overcompressed, and they just sound horrible. You yes, know? Uh, e- even digital clipping, uh, and it's just not pleasant to listen to. And it can be also very fatiguing. Um, one album that I, I kind of have to bring up by name was when Metallica released Death Magnetic. Mm. There's literally no dynamic range in that record. Mm. None. None, zero. So it, yeah, and it, you know, if you look at it in your DAW and it basically just looks like a strip of audio like this. <laughs> With no, um, no, no So values. it becomes, it, the, the first downside is that it just doesn't sound very good. And the second Wasn't is that, that the album where like it sounded better on the video game Guitar Hero than it did on the yes. actual release? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It had more dynamic range. Yeah. Right. right. So, um, I mean, sure, if you want to push boundaries and go and see how far this can go, fill your boots, right? But know that your music <laughs> is probably going to be pretty fatiguing and uh, um, not that pleasant to listen to. You know who I find that to be? Uh, and it's kind of sad because his songs are really amazing, is Ed Sheeran. Yeah. It's really difficult to listen to Divide because I can hear the distortion. And just the Just in the overall volume level. And it's like, ugh. Ugh. Yeah, that is is unfortunate, you know. Um, I mean, now I get that most people aren't audiophiles, but some people are. And I think you should treat your music with a little bit more respect than that. If you put in all the time to kind of write it and, and do this kind of stuff, don't don't skimp on the last process. Oh, you know? but that's the best process to skimp on. Come on. <laughs> skimp, sure. skimp, skimp. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I understand how some people get really I'm not, anxious. I'm not oh, implying that Ed Sheeran's mastering guide, like, skimped anywhere or any of that nature it's just it's overcooked it's loud you can hear the distortion in the audio and that's just unfortunate and that's not the kind of audio that requires distortion because it's not metal it's pop right and yeah it should have a dynamic range and and all this yeah i think there were other bands that that were doing similar stuff i mean i think we're talking the mid 2000s type of thing. Well, at but this point. Ed Sheeran's well, last album, Divide, just came out, what, a year or two ago. And that's yeah. the Loud Wars are supposed to be over at this point because right. the streaming services have started, started putting feet down saying, hey, this is what we're going to set our apps to. Sure, the users can turn that off. But if they don't, everything goes out at this volume, regardless of whether it was low or high of that, it's coming down or being raised up. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that was the idea, right? Initially, that you wanted to be louder and stick out, uh, yep. but um, that was but that's the not the case anymore. So not now, anymore. not only are you being turned down, but you're also sounding worse. So, um, yes. if you're if you're overcooking that, so so that's a huge sidestep from the concept of workflow. Let's go back to workflow now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we nerded out and and got up on our high horse here a little bit. That's right. Um, Mine's really but, high. But workflow, yeah. So. Sometimes um, I think mastering engineers, and probably because of the reasons that we just talked about, would say that no processing on your master bus. Um, yeah. I would say, yeah, I would somewhat agree to that, except for this caveat. If you're doing some 
processing, let's say that you have tape emulation or, or console emulation or anything like that, just to provide that glue to your mix, as long as you're not overcooking it and it's it's a part of the sound, I would say definitely leave it on there. Just don't have any you know, limiting plugins on there. And just to raise up the level, give the uh, mastering engineer some headroom to work with. Yes. Uh, I would say at least six dBs of headroom. Yeah, uh, I, I guess it depends on the mastering guy. Yeah, you'd have to talk to your mastering guy and say, <laughs> okay, well, how would you prefer I deliver these? Do you Hence want, the uh, reason for communication. So part of yeah. your workflow going from your mix to the mastering man is communication. What does your mastering guy want? Yeah. Listen to what it, the man says, as Paul yeah. McCartney used to say. Wise words again, right? <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? Did he ever do anything? Mm, um, I don't know. Yeah, I heard he, he worked just... with Kanye for a minute. Kind of, kind of made him famous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kanye made the, the, Paul famous, not the other way around. Uh, right. No, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know Jody like I do, that's a joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Speaking of, of communication, I know there are some mastering engineers that um, would even like to get stems out from your mix today. And when I say stems now, I mean stems in the truest sense, not each individual track, but a a drum, bus stem, a, a guitar stem, and so on. And simply for the reason that it's not that they want to rebalance or remix your album, but just in case there are issues with your mix, uh, they can, in specific stems that by that right yeah so let's say like we spoke before we started rolling here like if your guitar stem has too much 5k in it you don't have to start cutting in the entire mix so they can go in and and, and fix things like that but again that comes down to the communication between you and the mastering engineer yeah, uh, and if he was a good mastering engineer and didn't ask for those stems, he could probably tell you, before I master this, you've got an issue here in your track that you should yeah. reevaluate and deal with. Yeah, and uh, that's something that I know has happened to me, and I think that's something that's probably happened to you as well when we've talked about different mastering guys. Never happened to you? Uh, Unfortunately, it's not happened to me, but I have been made aware of it by other people. Right. And that's what I'm saying, where that you, you can have that, hey, this is something that you might want to consider tweaking before I get going on this. And take that to heart, because that can help you in your mixing uh, workflow yes. as well. When you're aware of things, then yes, you start yes, listening yes. to things in a different way. So don't take those kind of things personally. Just take it for what it is, just knowledge. And you know that moving forward, oh, I have to think about this, this, and this when I'm doing that on top of it. So uh, we're always learning and there's no shame in not knowing everything or making mistakes. So That's right. Make your mistakes, learn from them, change them, fix them, then move on. Right. Sage so advice. the the process then, of course, is just no. Screw that guy. I'm going to go with a different mastering <laughs> engineer. Uh, well, I guess it also depends on the mastering engineer that you're working with. So. Oh sure. Because some mastering sure. engineers probably they if you're new to them and you don't know their workflow and they may or may not give you feedback. I mean, I guess it really just kind of comes down again to the communication and 
the professionalism you have between you and your mastering engineer, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. what I would say. Because yeah. I've, I've noticed different strategies from different mastering engineers. So, yeah. Yeah. Almost like they're just like regular people. Huh? Almost. But, uh, yeah. Those magical um, mystery mastering oh, unicorns. I was going to say something else, but I couldn't come up with an M. <laughs> <laughs> unicorns is good too. Unicorns, yes. Um, so that that kind of brings up something I, I guess we should touch on, which is briefly. Um, Do tell to have that kind of of uh, communication with a specific guy or a specific mastering house that you, you're going to. Yes, is something that if you're thinking about doing one of these online mastering things. Uh, Don't. I won't. No, I won't name by name. Um, I would. I well, it's up to I each don't have individual to do what they do. But but that's something that you more than likely you're not going to get. I mean, I had um, somebody I know who was going to master a track, and they they sent it off to one of these services, and I think they had the track back within 15 minutes. Oof. So. You're telling me that somebody got the track, listened to it, decided what was needed, and then performed that, bounced it, and sent it back to him within 15 minutes. Uh, yeah, highly unlikely. Not likely. That sounds like somebody's got an algorithm and they're just like, here, let's run it through, insert mastering plug in here, right? And send it right back. Yeah. Um, definitely. If you're yeah, okay definitely. with that, go for it. Uh, but well, did, um, didn't you it, do okay? I, I gotta bring this up. Didn't you do a test with one of these online guys and kept sending them the same track over and over again with the mastering already done on it and they kept mastering it and mastering it and mastering it? Or was that somebody it else? Was, it was not me, but I told you about it. It yes. was a um, I don't remember the person's name, but it was on a uh, Swedish music production. Those podcast. funky Swedes. <laughs> yeah, but they wanted to try it for one of those cases where, um, yeah, they, they essentially sent the same track with different things, and it just kept adding the same processing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, user beware. Yes, um, user beware. Also beware of whether the person's actually a mastering engineer or has some concept of how to master if you're going to go with a mastering person. Because I have had tracks where i've sent it to multiple guys to master the same song yeah and some knew what they were doing some didn't and some were cool to talk to and some weren't <laughs> so yeah, yeah. i mean j just like with uh, if you're hiring a uh, mix engineer or or anything or or if you're a producer and you're hiring an artist um you get relationships with these people yep. and um you you know, the, the more you know, the the stronger you can make or you better decisions you can make, I suppose, with who to go with. Um, so, and that's also, you know, you mentioned like different master engineers. It doesn't necessarily mean that every master engineer is going to treat your track the same way. No, it's, know, it's, have the, it's have just as artistic a process as anything else. So they're going to treat sure. it with their their know-how and whether or not right. that know-how matches up with what you're looking for that's part of the communication thing yeah yeah um so yeah we went off in a little bit of a different direction there but but i would say overall it's always a good idea to 
let somebody else listen to and master your track and hopefully they have experience with it. Um, Concur. It, it can be, Concur. can be very helpful have a at least a fresh set of ears and an objective yes. set of ears that they're not listening to it, especially if you're the ones that are doing the mixing. You're hyper aware of all the little nuances in the track and, and sometimes we get lost in that. Right. So uh, in terms of the workflow of going to a mastering thing, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to determine what does this mastering guy, what is there a specialty that they really excel at? Because if there's a yeah. specialty, then and, and my track needs that specialty in terms of that genre, I will go to that person. Some mastering guys are not necessarily a specialist in a particular genre, just like some mixing engineers are specialists in certain genres and some are not. So um, it also depends on you know getting that relationship going with that mastering person. That's a big thing, That's a, especially yeah. if you're going to do a lot of work with them. Right. And uh, again, with the communication, just as you would have maybe like a reference mix as you're mixing, um, convey to the mastering engineer, like this is what we're kind of hearing our music as, and we're thinking of something like this. Is that a feasible request? Is that, are we in the ballpark here? Or, you know, what would you suggest? Is that something that you feel comfortable doing or Blah, 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 all those kind of things that you, that you go through. So ask questions before, but don't also don't expect miracles, right? If you have a, let's say, subpar mix, it, it's probably not going to come back sounding like something Mutt Lang did. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, true. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> so that know, begs but, but the question of should you do your master yourself or should you go to somebody who's got the experience? Yeah, and if you have the budget, definitely go with somebody else. I, I don't yeah, think that's for sure. I don't that's think that's ever a, a bad idea. Yeah, if you don't have the budget for that, well, then that's something that you have to weigh. But it's probably going to sound like you don't have the budget for that. <laughs> so, yes, is, what was the that, thing is like. Uh, we can tell how much you spent on it and that's how much you're going to make back on it. <laughs> yeah, Something hope, of that yeah, nature. Something like that. It was like, I hope you make back exactly what you spent on it. Yes. Um, and sometimes that's zero, right? So, um, but those are, those are valid questions. I mean, if we don't have in our budget to spend, you know, $500 a song to have something mastered by, you know, the top guys, well, then there are options, right? Well, but there's uh, also the thing too, is that, as you said, the top guys, those are like the Grammy winners, the guys that spend most of their days mastering all the major label stuff. Yeah. Often they're, they can be budgetarily out of reach depending on your relationship with them. Yeah. And $500 sounds awful cheap. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, still, that that's a lot of money to a lot. It's of a artists, lot of money right? to a lot of folks, right? But for so, uh, the guy that's constantly mastering major label stuff, five hundred dollars is actually fairly reasonable price for yeah. the master of one song. I would right. posit that most of the time that master is probably going to cost substantially more, like in the several thousands of dollars area. Could be. Could be. So. Um, so. Johnny Headphones on that Facebook group who offers to do it for five bucks, he might not be in the same league. You know? <laughs> uh, might not is a good way of putting it. Right. Um, 
So that brings up the next point, I guess. What is the uh, end product? Yes. And what what are we mastering for CDs? Are we mastering for vinyl? Are we mastering for streaming? Yes. Because that that can be different mindset as well, right? Very and much so. I know yeah, you're yeah, a big yeah. proponent of having a different master for each, each service, each, each thing. Of, yeah. Yes, each thing. Yeah. And and within streaming, it's different masters for different services. Correct. Yeah. Right. So I think a good ballpark now is about minus fourteen it, LUFS. It depends on what you're doing. Right. It really does. Like so. There are guys out there, and I do know mastering engineers that do one master for all. It's like the Lord of the Rings, the one ring to rule, the one master to rule them all. Vinyl, CD, streaming, doesn't matter. It's one master. Um, I'm I'm on of a different mindset, and the main reason why I'm of that different mindset is because I've done these side-by-side comparisons of taking a master that was done for one – and then setting it to the same relative volume for what the different service or different device is, whether it's a CD, whether it's vinyl, whether it's streaming for Spotify or streaming for Apple or somebody who follows one of those two uh, volume masters, so to speak. Um, And what I mean by that is, is that Spotify has one volume level, Apple has another. Right. When they set their volume levels and almost I think there's uh, about four services outside of Spotify that follow Spotify's volume level. And then there's the rest of the entire world essentially follows Apple's volume level for the streaming world. And then CDs Mm -hmm. are something entirely different. And vinyl has another thing altogether. But if I go delving deeply into this, like the nerd that I can be, Spotify's is minus 14 LUFS. Mm Mm-hmm of a metering level that mastering guys tend to use, or even mix guys should use prior to finalizing their mix. They shouldn't be mixing well beyond minus 14 LUFS. Uh, Just seems kind of silly. If you follow the Apple model, it's minus 16. So you really shouldn't be mixing louder than minus 16. Mm -hmm. And if we go by the, give the mastering guy his room to work thing, that would make it minus 20 on the output bus of your mix, LUFS. That's not minus right. 20 on your peaks. It's minus 20 on the overall volume of the track on the master bus. And there are plugins that you can use to get a reference point to how loud that is. And it's shockingly quiet compared to what people think it is. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, then CDs at the height of the loudness wars, uh, and even to this day still some people will do this. They'll push it all the way to about minus nine, anything louder than minus nine. And actually minus 10 is where you really start to hear the distortion minus nine. It's there. And by the time you're going beyond minus nine, it's just, you're lost all your dynamics and everything is digitally clipping and it can definitely be heard. Vinyl on the other hand is actually less than all of that because it can't handle that kind of volume. Plus, Generally speaking, it is thought that vinyl should also have a different EQ curve than digital. So make sure you talk to your mastering guy about all that, depending on 
what you're doing. Some mastering guys will be, like I've said, the the one master to rule them all. Some will be open to doing the different masters. The reason why I chose or I currently choose to do different masters for different services is, like I said just before this rant, having done a side-by-side comparison of a master that was done for CD that was at minus nine, and bringing that down to the volume level of Spotify at minus 14 and the volume level of Apple at minus 16, you bring that down and compare that to a master that was actually done at that level that was brought up to that volume level, which all masters should be be being brought up, not being brought down. Um, Mm -hmm. The mix volume-wise sounds exactly the same if you compare a minus 16 master to a CD master that's been brought down to minus 16, the volume level is the same. Mm-hmm. What changes is the depth that happens within the mix. It changes drastically in that the one that was really loud and brought down sounds really flat. Everything yeah. is just like, right. There's no depth of, of sound. There's no depth of focus, so to speak, in a photograph, uh, if I'm making that comparison. Whereas the one that's been brought up to minus 16 and it has was never brought to be that loud has way more depth and space in it. Same volume level, way more depth, way more listenable to me. Yeah. So I think, that's yeah. why I go for an Apple master at minus 16 and 16. a Spotify master at minus 14. And then since I haven't pressed CDs in a long time, I generally don't do CD masters. And then if for yeah. vinyl, it's you know the vinyl thing of going with the different right. EQ curve and keeping it within vinyl specs. Yeah. Yeah. That, that With the vinyl thing, um, I am a little bit in the dark about where that is right now, because today's vinyl is from what I understand, a little bit more flexible than vinyl in the past, where you couldn't have the same lows uh, because it essentially made it too deep of a groove yes. <laughs> in the pressing. Um, and there were limitations with that, with how much space you could actually have. And, and so there were physical limitations. Um, but I wonder today where some people are pressing much heavier vinyl, if there's too much of a difference there from um, from the CD. I don't know, but I think that's an interesting point. I might have to do a little bit of research on that. It is. And like Uh, I said, I've talked to a mastering guy and he's a respected dude, one master to rule them all. I just, I'm not sure I particularly agree with it, but yeah, there are guys that do that. Yeah. So, you know, to wrap that up is, you know, talk to your guy, see what, what the well, what, what your release form is going to be. Are you going to go for streaming? Well, then you, you have it mastered for streaming. If you're considering all these other things, you should probably try a different master for, for those outlets as well. And then yes. just like of course, you said, Joe. That can you send said, your Jody, costs would, up. <laughs> you, sure, yeah. But, um, you know, if it's that important to you, which it probably is if you want to press your own vinyl or all this kind of stuff, I'm assuming you're kind it of passionate about what you do. You. Yeah, it should be important to you. And uh, then also considering all the uh, different formats, like you mentioned, with like, mm-hmm. is it going through Apple Music or Spotify or, you know, where would you find most of your listeners, I guess, would be a good thing to to, uh, to keep in mind there as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, 
we've talked about delivery. Do they want? Oh, one thing that we didn't mention mm. um, is while you're delivering. Your, let's say that you're just delivering a stereo track, or even if you're doing the stem thing. But let's talk about stereo track first. Uh, don't use the highest, or the, I would say the same sample rate and, and bit rate that you have in your session. Yes, you know, don't change don't, that. Don't, keep it the same. Yeah, right. Again, keep them, give them more to work with, and that kind of thing. No, no sort of. Uh, Oh, well, it's going to end up on a CD anyway. It's going to be 1644. Yeah, but the mastering engineer will probably want your full 96K file if that's what you've been working with or 48, whatever. Well, if you don't so, tell them, they're not going to know the difference. But it makes a difference to keep everything at the same sample and bit rate that you recorded sure. at until the final, 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 very end step when you get it back from your mastering dude. Yeah. And they probably have better tools to deal with that conversion anyway. That's right. So, yeah. Um, if you, against all recommendation, decide that you're going to master it yourself, um, don't just do it on your mix file or your mix template. Oh, yeah, yeah. Create, Workflow, if you're going to master stuff that you've mixed, create a yeah. new template. Create a new template and go from there. And also, even if it's saying just one track. But now if you're going with that album type of mentality, uh, you're going to want to be able to balance all that kind of stuff in one in one session so that everything is going to sound good back to back and, and dealing with, you know, fades and this kind of stuff as well. And that um, goes beyond the scope of plugins because some people will just say, oh, my plugin says that it's this, so I'm just going to stick with it. So, yeah. no, I've actually had guys that are trying to dabble their toes into the mastering thing and they're like well what what should i be listening for or looking to because the plugin says this but then i go back and i listen and it's not sounding the same and it's like yeah. use your ears yeah <laughs> just use, your, use ears. your ears that's what they're there for and um on that same note is when you're going with a mastering guy or girl mastering person mastering uh person yes person yes um they will more than likely have a much better treated room than you do. Hence so the reason for hear, using a professional mastering person. Right. So, so that's another thing to, to keep in mind. So you might get something that sounds, wow, this sounds really, really cool in my little bunker here. But uh, it may or may not translate that great to, to any other listening environment. So that's another benefit that they have all of that. And that's, that's their job. That's what they do. So, that's what they do. And that um, actually happened to me with a, as of now, six time Grammy winning mastering engineer. <laughs> Yay. That person. <laughs> yes. I get the master back and I've played it in someone else's studio that wasn't treated properly and heard something really off. And yeah. he was very gracious to be able to take it back and say he'd try again. But the reality was is it had nothing to do with the master. It had nothing to do with the mix. It had everything to do with the room that was poorly treated. <laughs> and it wasn't no. to do with the mastering guy, which is why I'm not going to name him by names. Yeah. Because he was yeah. an absolute trooper through it. And still, we remain friends to this day. And I send him work when, necess when I necessarily need to send it over there. Good, 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 good. Um, so, yeah. Mastering, don't skimp. If you have the budget, use it. Um, it's the last final step. Don't rush out your product and just to get it out there. So, um, Because the world is not technically waiting for it. 
you might think they are. And maybe yeah. if you're Justin Bieber or somebody of that nature, they might be. But yeah. I most think Justin Bieber has wait. the budget to to <laughs> to send it to uh, the top guys anyway. Yes, so, <laughs> they yeah. have the potential to wait. Yeah, um, building anticipation, that type of thing. Um, all right, Jody, I think that's going to do it for me. Okay, uh, with this here, uh, anything that you'd like to add when it comes to this? Yeah. If you want to master yourself, it might be a good idea to talk to a professional mastering engineer who's willing to give you some pointers and tips. That too. Yeah. You know, as an overall thing, just because of the fact that maybe they do something in the box or they might have a method to working because most people doing it themselves are probably doing it in the box. Whereas a lot right. of the top end pro guys probably have a ridiculous amount of outboard gear. So yeah. Designed uh, for that purpose. Designed more specifically than for mastering and not for yeah. your typical mixing thing. Right. right. So, and of course, as you say that, I just want to put in there because it just popped into my mind. It obviously nobody is born a mastering engineer. So, if this is something that you want to get into, well, then, yeah, you can uh, practice and, and, and do that. But, but uh, you know, be aware when you practice and do that kind of thing. And, and, uh, what the release is going to be. If you just want to practice mastering your own tracks, of course, go ahead, you know, practice and get as good as you can. Um, so don't be afraid of it, but if you're going to release something, it's a good idea to sort of reevaluate your skill set, I think, and, and see if that's something that might be best handed over to somebody else. Somebody that really knows what they're doing. Yep. So what's a, you know what? For the two-minute Tuesday tip, I think it would be a wise thing to actually show a side-by-side -side example mm -hmm. of a CD master brought to the level of, say, a Spotify master brought to the level for Apple brought. Like, a, just use a Spotify example of what a CD master sounds like, what an actual Spotify master sounds like, and an Apple music brought up to Spotify level all in the same go. Sounds that's, like a that's, great I idea. think, where it's going to be the two-minute Tuesday tip that goes with this. It'd take an example of a, of a song mastered for multiple things and then all brought to the same level to hear how they sound. Sounds like an idea. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, Jody. So with that, you're signing off? I'm signing off. Uh, thanks for anybody who listened. And... Uh, you have a great rest of the day, Jody. I will do that. You do the same, sir. And to all those out and inside the recording studio land, 